Almighty Father, praise and glory be unto thy name. Lord, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for having woken us up to another day, another opportunity to learn of thee. Lord, we pray for mercy that our hearts be cleansed, that we become one with thee, even as we read your word. May they impart life unto us in strength. Give us grace, O Lord, to live according to this word. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Our High Calling, September 12. Make your mark in the world. Let no man despise thy youth. But be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12 The period of childhood and youth, how much is bound up in these years of probation? God desires that you shall improve this time, dear youth, by obtaining a fitness for the work. If you need an education, set yourselves to work with a determination to get one. Do not wait for an opening. Make one for yourselves. Take hold in any small way that opens before you. Be thorough and faithful in whatever you take in hand, however small it may be. Some of our youth are so vacillating that they accomplish nothing for themselves. Their lifetime is often half spent before they decide what they shall do and what they will be. They bury their talents beneath a mass of rubbish. To these, I would say, practice economy. Do not spend your means for the gratification of appetite or for pleasure-seeking. Make your mark in the world. Have before you the object of becoming as useful and efficient as God calls you to be. As you improve the knowledge you gain, you will be able to gather increased knowledge. Application to your books and useful manual labor combined with earnest Christian devotion and loyalty to God will make you men and women in the highest sense. True devotion to God combined with the study of the sciences will give the youth an education that will make them gentle, humble lovers of God, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Such souls, fragrant with love for God and for their fellow men, God can use as vessels unto honor. Jesus died, dear youth, not to save you in your sins, but from your sins. He wants you to follow the example which he has set before you, to deny self, take up your cross daily and follow him. He claims your service, 
your heart's best and holiest affections. If you walk in obedience to His will, learning cheerfully and diligently the lessons of His providence, by and by He will say, Child, come up higher to the heavenly mansions which I have prepared for you. Amen. The title of our devotion is Make Your Mark in the World. Our key text is taken from the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12, addressed to everybody and although specifically the youth, that's the context, the youth, but of course can apply to everyone. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers, not of the unbelievers, not of the world, but an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. How can we be an example of believers only by following the example of our Lord Jesus Christ? In our devotion, the last paragraph, that's paragraph 4, says in our high calling page 261, Jesus died, dear youth, not to save you in your sins, but from your sins. He wants you to follow the example which he has set before you, to deny self, take up your cross daily, and follow him. He claims your service, your heart's best and holiest affection. If you will walk in obedience to his will, learning cheerfully and diligently the lessons of his providence, by and by he will say, Child, come up higher to the heavenly mansions which I have prepared for you. Our key text in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12 tells us to be an example of believers. And the last paragraph here says, Jesus wants us to follow his example. In the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 1, we are told, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. The time of youth is the best time to give God your strength your energy and your best affection, your talents and your skill. You do not want to give God the last part of your strength after you have used it for other things. The first commandment says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. There is that song that says, Give of your best to the Master. Give Him the strength, not of your old age, but of your youth. The Lord deserves our service and our best affection, our heart, our soul, our mental faculties as our mind and our physical strength. All of it, the Lord wants to consecrate it and use it to his glory. Genesis 1.26, as I usually say, would tell us our purpose in life, which is to follow Jesus Christ, to be in the image of Jesus and the likeness of God. And that's why we are to follow his example. Because if you want to fashion, mold something into a particular pattern, you have the pattern before you, you must copy the pattern. Jesus, God is the pattern. And he said that his purpose for making you and me is to be in his image and likeness, to have his character. 
So we must follow that pattern. And the end of it is that we should check our lives and check that of God and ensure that it is matching it. It is similar in conversation, in word, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. In these areas, we are to be like God. Now, in order to do that, God has told us what we must do. In our youth, we are to remember our Creator and give Him our best energies. The book of Deuteronomy 8 verse 18 tells us the purpose of of uh, all the work that we are doing. In fact, Solomon says, all the labor of man is for his mouth and yet the soul is not satisfied. You see, the physical food does not satisfy the spiritual needs. It says, man will labor for his mouth but yet his soul is not satisfied. We have a greater purpose than just laboring for earthly things. In the commandment of God, the longest of them, the fourth commandment, Exodus chapter 20 verse 8, 9 and down to 11 tells us, that we are to work for six days and rest the seventh day. As a youth, as a human being, we are to follow the example of God. Genesis chapter 1 tells us the first example God created. He worked for six days and rested the seventh day. And we too are to work six days. But the purpose of that work is also in keeping with Genesis 1 verse 26, to be in the image of God. God works and we must work. But the motive matters. We are not working for selfish ambition. We are not working so that we can make a name for ourselves in this world. We are working for the glory of God. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18. The Lord tells us that thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. For it is he that giveth thee power to make wealth. That he may establish his covenant motive now. Why is God giving you power to make wealth? That he may establish his covenant which he swore unto our fathers. What is this covenant? We know already that the covenant God has made with us is to bring us into his image. To write his law in our hearts. To make us to be like him. When you look at the book of Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 33, there it says, But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts, and will write it in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. What is God giving us wealth for? So that he can be our God, and we will be his people. Because he said, I give you wealth so that I can fulfill that covenant. And the covenant is that he wants to write his law in our hearts. Now, why is he trying to write the law in our hearts? So that we can come into a relationship with him where he will be our God and we will be his people. Now, six days shall thou labor, dear youth, to educate yourself, to fit yourself in every way possible, to acquire whatever you can, whether property, whether money, but the motive is not for self-glorification. It is not for extravagance and selfish indulgence, but for fulfilling that covenant. How is money going to help? How is property going to help? We have said this in previous devotions, that they can be used to acquire everything that is needed 
to bring, bring yourself into the image of God the foods that are needed for that purpose, the location you need to live for that purpose, the books you need to buy to study, the evangelism you need to do. Money is needed for these things. Skill is also needed because not only money you acquire, we have wealth of talent also. We have wealth of money. Now you increase your knowledge and your skills, having in mind that these skills, this knowledge can either be used to produce money and get assets or just the skills in and of themselves can be used to proclaim the gospel of God. The skill of knowing how to speak in and of itself is good because the talent of speech is what is used to communicate the gospel to others and that is one area that we all should improve ourselves. So in order for us to fulfill that covenant, we are to be ambitious in this direction, to get an education, an education that will make us better instruments to be used in the kingdom of God. Here in our high calling, page 261, paragraph 2, we are told, If you need an education, set yourselves to work with a determination to get one. Do not wait for an opening. Make one for yourselves. Take hold in any small way that opens before you. Be thorough and faithful in whatever you take in hand however small it may be and what does the bible tell us whatsoever your hand finds to do do it with all your might for there is no labor in the grave whither thou goest we are not to pick and choose what work will say oh i'll do this on white collar job but when it comes to manual labor and skills we don't want to do it allow god to choose for you there was a devotion we did that is titled choosing your life work I believe that was in the first week of August, choosing your life work. You are not to choose for yourself. Moses was given a life work by God and you also are to inquire of God. But how do you know what God wants you to do? You can go and read that, um, listen to that devotion to help you, but just say plainly, based on what lies before you, what is the work that lies nearest? What is the work that is close to you? Do it. It is preparing you for greater work. The best preparation for tomorrow's duty is the faithful performance of today's work. So we must know how God works. Whatever lies near us, whatever small work it is, do it. And then seek for an education. Don't wait for it to come to you. In the world we live in now, education is everywhere, both the negative and the positive. But we are looking at the context of positive education that comes in the form of books and practical work and also the devotional life. Here in our high calling, page 261, paragraph 3, we are told, Have before you the object of becoming as useful and efficient as God calls you to be. As you improve the knowledge you gain, you will be able to gather increased knowledge. Let me stop here. What does it mean, improve the knowledge you gain? That is, acquire the knowledge and use it. Don't let it just rely dormant in your head. When you have gathered the knowledge, use it. And when you use it, you will increase in knowledge. Then, going on, it says, application to your books and useful manual labor combined with earnest Christian devotion and loyalty to God will make you men and women in the highest sense. So three things here. The mental capacities are being increased by application to books. 
your physical capacities are being increased and your skills by manual labor and the spiritual is attended to by devotion and loyalty to god these three aspects make us to be men and women in the highest sense so what kind of books are we supposed to read of course educative books when it comes to the mental faculties now we're talking about improving your knowledge that has to do with even the literary knowledge whether it is in the literatures not books that are of a kind to arouse impure thoughts in your mind or that would arouse worldly ambition or things that are just negative you you, you have to be guided by the word of god remember philippians 4 verse 8 whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are noble whatsoever things are lovely if there's anything praiseworthy or good report think on these things read those things you have to scrutinize the books you read there are many educative books out there get them improve yourself there but do not be one-sided also increase yourself in skills when you go to youtube today there's so much to learn so many aspects of skill to learn carpentry i mean electrical work computer soft skills and hard skills that you can list them there's so many but then there's the final part the spiritual when we come to the books also and the practical work we have the sciences you continue i'll continue the reading now it says true devotion to god combined with the study of the sciences will give the youth an education that will make them gentle humble lovers of god full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy now there's false science be careful not to go into false science of things like evolution and things that have not been proven through common sense and practical uh, experiments but the basis of science one of the most important sciences that we should put our minds to is the physiology of our body how our body works the things you can do to it to keep it in good health and the things we do to it that makes the health to go bad and cause us not to be in a condition where we can be uh, custodians of the spirit of god the purpose of keeping the body in a good condition is for the holy spirit to dwell in us that's why we are not to defile our body that's physiology study physiology know how to give you keep your body in good health i believe we will study that subsequently in our devotion that is one of the sciences that should be given attention quick attention i would say perhaps the first science the first branch of science that should be given attention to children even as little children is the physiology combine that with the word of god and then we are growing up to be what god wants us to be fulfilling the covenant it is my prayer that we all should understand these things knowing that we are to be saved from our sins in this life and that's what education is education is redemption The book Education, page 15, paragraph 2 says, By disobedience, this was forfeited, that is, Adam and Eve lost the image of God by disobedience. Through sin, the divine likeness was marred and well nigh obliterated. Man's physical powers were weakened, his mental capacity was lessened, his spiritual vision dimmed. He had become subject to death. Yet the race was not left without hope. By infinite love and mercy, the plan of salvation had been devised and a life of probation was granted. To restore man in the image of his maker, to bring him back to the perfection in which he was created. 
to promote the development of body, mind, and soul, that the divine purpose in his creation might be realized. This was to be the work of redemption. This is the object of education, the great object of life. End of quote. I'll take that last part again. To restore in man the image of his maker, to bring him back to the perfection in which he was created, to promote the development of body, mind, and soul, that the divine purpose in his creation might be realized. This was to be the work of redemption. This is the object of education, the great object of life. Dear youth, man, woman, many of us have not been educated. You may be 50 years or 60 years, 70, and perhaps you have not been educated. You have been engaging in false education. The purpose of true education is, as I have been saying, Genesis 1 verse 26, to restore in us the image of God, that sin may be obliterated from our lives, to be saved from sin. That is the purpose of education. The last paragraph of our devotion said that we are not going to be saved in our sins. We are supposed to be saved from our sins. And that is what education is supposed to do for us, to restore in us the image of God. So let us seek to be educated Seek those things that you will learn that will help you to restore the image of God in you. May God give us the grace to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The devotion title once more is Make Your Mark in the World. A high calling, page 261, paragraph 3. Make your mark in the world. Have before you the object of becoming as useful and efficient as God calls you to be. As you improve the knowledge you gain, you will be able to gather increased knowledge. So this is the first mark, first object that will help us. I want to say that if we have not defined our aim, success is not possible. So, the reading here is bringing to us the first object. Decide the mark, the object of your life is to become useful and efficient as God will call you to call you to be. Like my brother has said, the mark, the object of my life, your life should not be to be to distinguish ourselves among people. Like the people who were building the Tower of Babel said, let us make for ourselves a name. No. You know, God scattered that building. Seekest thou great things for thyself? Seek them not. So, that's Jeremiah 45, verse 5. It says, And seekest thou great things for thyself? Seek them not. For behold, I will bring evil upon all flesh, said the Lord. So, this world is doomed is already marked for demolition so it's not about us now in the picture it's being as efficient as god calls us to be as a reflection of god's character part of our character perfection determines that we are efficient that we do the best we can with our hands and it will reflect the glory of god that's one of the things if we settle this it will help us not to be changing between two opinions at least we know that we are not living for ourselves 
the last paragraph of the devotion 261 paragraph 4 said jesus died dear youth not to save you in your sins but from your sins i'll stop here for a while so part of our sins or things that that god wants to save us is our deficiencies our inefficiencies in how we carry out work i'll continue he wants you to follow the example which he has set before you to deny yourself take up your cross daily and follow him he claims your service your heart's best and holiest affections if you will walk in obedience to his will learning cheerfully and diligently the lessons of his providence by and by he will say child come up higher to the heavenly mansions which i have prepared for you so we are not pleasing ourselves we are only honoring god who has delivered us so the grace of god must follow you to your work it must follow me to the things my hand finds to do i need to learn to be efficient excellent not for my name to make a name for myself but for the reflection of the glory of god amen so in taking up an education whether it's in the sciences or any other necessary line we should no longer go for names and just qualifications and papers i have many of them myself that i'm wondering how they are helping because we got them with the desire of just having papers so you should check how is this education going to help me to be more efficient to better please god if you're a tailor you can watch videos and designs that make your work neat and trim so that the character of god will be reflected whatever your hand finds to do the bible says do it with all your mind our high calling to 61 paragraph 2 if you need an education set yourself to work with a determination to get one do not wait for an opening make one for yourself then take hold in any small way that opens before you be thorough and faithful in whatever you take in your hand in hand however small it may be so where are you now what does it require you to improve in that which you're doing now if you're in the home if you're at the workplace how can i better my skill don't waste the lot's money in things that will not improve you your usefulness no use the money or the means your data or your phone whatever it is in a way that will improve your skills to do a better work for god do not spend your means for gratification of appetite or for pleasure seeking so this helps us to understand there are things we need to give up in order to create an opportunity to improve ourselves we must be objective and make our hearts straight in doing this i'll read a quote from desire of ages um, it's the chapter itself is titled as a child desire of ages chapter 7 as a child it's an interesting chapter if you have your time you can look at it and what i want to read here is written in chap- uh, page 70 paragraph two i'll do a lot of reading here so i encourage us to really reset our mind and see if we can gain some things it says the question asked during the savior's ministry how knoweth this man let us having never learned does not indicate that jesus was unable to read 
but merely that he had not received a rabbinical education. John 7 verse 15 Since he gained knowledge as we may do, his intimate acquaintance with the scripture shows how diligently his early years were given to the study of God's word. I'll stop here for a while. So you see, the way Jesus quoted scriptures, his understanding was a product of the time he spent in the Bible, studying the Bible, the scripture. There is more he studied, but for now, the time you spend, you use today, will it help you tomorrow to better represent God? Christ was not deficient in quoting scriptures because he spent some time learning. I'll continue. It says, and spread out before him was the great library of God's created works. He who had made all things studied the lessons which his own hand had written in earth and sea and sky. Apart from the unholy ways of the world, he gathered stores of scientific knowledge from nature. He studied the life of plants and animals and the life of man. From his earliest years, he was possessed of one purpose. He lived to bless others. For these, he found resources in nature. New ideas of ways and means flashed into his mind as he studied plant life and animal life. Continually, he was seeking to draw from things seen illustrations by which to present the living oracles of God, the parables by which during his ministry he loved to teach his lessons of truth show how open his spirit was to the influences of nature and how he gathered the spiritual teaching from the surroundings of his daily life. End of quote. So Jesus did science. You can, it's, it's interesting to find out that Jesus was scientific like he knew botany he knew physiology yes he studied man though he was the one who read who wrote these things he was the one who put the law in place the reading says he emptied himself of his godlike nature and became like us learning the things of life the way we should he's our example so when you see him giving those illustrations of the things the sower went to sow out sow in the field and he cast it, he actually took time to observe life. Dear friend, do you have time to observe the things in nature? Christ did so. He had scientific knowledge. He understood what things, the principles that guided things. If you read um, the story of the three Hebrew boys, it also said the same thing. They had the same purpose. Remember, the reading says that from the earliest, from his earliest years, he was possessed of one purpose. He lived to bless others. Now, what was the result? For this, he found resources in nature. What next? New ideas flashed through his mind and new ways flashed through his mind as he studied plant life and animal life. This is why the worldly education, the way it's presented, removes God from the picture. So you don't get to still appreciate God. I want to recommend a video. That video is titled The God of Wonders. It's on YouTube. The God of Wonders is a very wonderful series on scientific studies on how the glory of God can be seen in plant and animal life. 
so it can give you a glimpse of how science really should be studied there are scientists who really use their skill to glorify god i'll recommend it again the title again is the god of wonders now back to our reading jesus had a purpose so why are you adding more education i mean why are you going for more or further studies is it so that you can bless others if it is not then you have to retrace your footsteps i'll continue Thus, to jesus the significance of the word and works of god was unfolded as he was trying to understand the reason of things heavenly beings were his attendants and the culture of holy thoughts and communion was his from the, the from the first dawning of intelligence he was constantly growing in spiritual grace and knowledge of truth so what were the two sources the word of god and the works of god and then he was trying to understand the reason of things this is highly opposed to the kind of education generally we receive where you just cram formulas and cram uh, codes and everything you don't even understand how things work and that's why sometimes we have deficient people who cannot really impact the system our education seems far removed from our reality we can't keep accounts even though we are accountants we don't know how to economize even though we did economics because we are not understanding the reason the purpose of things it would be far better to spend a year and gain basic knowledge and use it than spend five years and get all the knowledge yet it cannot be seen in the things which we do jesus in his education try to understand the reason of things you'll be better a better person i would be better if i understand the reason behind the things i am doing what about the temptation that surrounded jesus while he was growing up the reading says that in the book of john 1 verse 46 there was a question nathaniel asked what was it can there any good thing come out of nazareth which means that where Jesus grew was proverbial for wickedness. The low estimate was what Nathaniel was trying to echo. <laughs> we don't expect any good thing to come out of Nazareth. Now the reading in Desire Pages 71 paragraph 1 says Jesus was placed where his character would be tested. It was necessary for him to be constantly on guard in order to preserve his purity. He was subject to all the conflicts which we have to meet that he might be an example to us in childhood, youth, and manhood. Satan wanted to disqualify Christ by every means. And the reading says he left no means untried to ensnare Jesus. No child of humanity will ever be called to live a holy life amid so fierce a conflict with temptation as our savior was jesus had it tough in fact the reading said that his parents were poor and dependent upon their daily toil he was familiar with poverty self-denial and privation this experience was a safeguard to him what experience was that privation self-denial poverty in his industrious life there were no idle moments to invite temptation no endless hours opened the way for corrupting association. So far as possible, he closed the door to the tempter. Neither gain nor pleasure, applause nor censure 
could induce him to consent to a wrong act. He was wise to discern evil and strong to resist it. So one of the things we see here is that Jesus was industrious. And the difficulty of his life, poverty, privation, self, and the, the background of his parents did not stop him from growing mentally, spiritually. He still had the scientific studies. He did, like we all read now. Circumstances. Circumstances. God wants us to master circumstances. He doesn't want circumstances to shape us. It's really something we need to... I'm praying for myself that God will help me and help us all to really learn how not to let situations to take away the opportunity to improve. Remember the devotion says, if you need an education, set yourselves to work with a determination to get one. Do not wait for an opening. Make one for yourself. For yourselves, rather. So the kind of opening Jesus made for himself, you can see how wonderful it is. He didn't have to go to the rabbinical school. If, if you can't afford that, don't kill yourself. Work with what you can afford within your environment. Like my brother has suggested, the online versions and courses. And what is sad is if you now make one for yourself in the wrong space where you acquire the wrong education at the end of the day you're still not productive the money would have been used for something productive so be careful before you go for the generally accepted courses be sure it's something that will be helpful to make you more productive christ was the only sinless one who dwelt ever dwelt on earth Yet for nearly 30 years, he lived among the wicked inhabitants of Nazareth. This fact is a rebuke to those who think themselves dependent upon place, fortune, or prosperity in order to live a blameless life. Temptation, poverty, adversity is the very discipline needed to develop purity and firmness. That's Desire of Ages 72, paragraph 2. Let me focus more now on Christ's walking uh, principle, the way he walked, his walk mode. The reading tells us about being efficient. And it said that Jesus lived in a peasant's home and faithfully and cheerfully acted his part in bearing the burdens of the household. He had been the commander of heaven and angels had delighted to fulfill his word. Now he was a willing servant and a loving, obedient son. He learned a trade and with his own hands worked in the carpenter's shop with Joseph. In the simple garb of a common laborer, he walked the streets of the little town going to and returning from his humble work. He did not employ his divine power to lessen his burdens or to lighten his toil. As Jesus walked in childhood and youth, mind and body were developed. I'll pause for a while. Is this not the aim of the devotion? Is it not the aim that we can be efficient and reflect the character of God? That our bodies, our minds, and every faculty we have will be developed. I'll continue. He did not use his physical powers recklessly, but in such a way as to keep them in health, that he might do the best work in every line. He was not willing to be defective even in the handling of tools. He was as perfect as a workman as he was in character. 
by his own example he thought that it is our duty to be industrious that our work should be performed with exactness and thoroughness and that such labor is honorable the exercise that teaches the hands to be useful and trains the young to bear their share of life's burden gives physical strength and develops every faculty and all should find something to do that will be beneficial to themselves and help helpful to others so what did jesus do he was not willing to be defective in even in the handling of his tools he was a perfect as a workman as perfect in his character so just we know he's doing it for god's name and for an example for us and he was also thorough continue the reading he says that throughout his life on earth jesus was an earnest constant worker he expected much therefore he attempted much after he he had entered his ministry he said i must walk the works of him that sent me while it is day the night cometh when no man can walk john 9 verse 4 i'll pause for a while you notice that we have a time a window to live our lives to be useful to humanity by the time you're getting too old the physical strength will start winning so we need to do the best we can do while we have the privilege and the opportunity to do to do it jesus did not shirk care and responsibility as do many who profess to be his followers it is because they seek to evade this discipline that so many are weak and inefficient they may possess precious and amiable traits but they are nerveless and almost useless when difficulties are to be met or obstacles surmounted the positiveness and energy the solidity and strength of character manifested in christ are to be developed in us through the same discipline that he endured and the grace that he received is for us amen so we have the same we have the same need of building up ourselves as christ did difficulties should not turn us away care and responsibility should not should not turn us away we should rather see them as opportunities to grow and to be efficient how did jesus relate to those whom he was working with we're trying to make a mark in our workplace it said that in desire of ages 73 paragraph 2 we are going to see how jesus worked with those his colleagues he said so long as he lived among men our savior shared the lot of the poor he knew by experience their cares and hardships and he could comfort and encourage all humble workers those who have a true conception of the teaching of his life will never feel that a distinction must be made between classes that the rich are to be honored above the worthy poor jesus in his workplace was not segregating between the rich and the poor he sought rather to encourage that's what the reading is telling us the quote here now in desire of ages 73 paragraph 2 christ worked to encourage and to share in the experiences of those he worked with your neighbors the people you work with at the office do you care to ask them how they are doing and wait listen to understand their reply how is the family how are the children how are they coping with even the little pennies they are earning if you have an idea of how you can help them give it them the idea 
we shouldn't be self-absorbed. There's nothing wrong in asking people how they are doing. You may not be the financial solution, but you may just be a listening ear, comforting and advising. If you have the means, you help as the Lord blesses you so that you're making a mark at the workplace. Reminds me of Joseph too. The same way when Joseph was in prison, he wasn't lamenting how hard life has been. He was also going around and asking his fellow uh, prisoners, how, what, what brought you here? How, how come you're here? And he heard the story of the baker and the butler and God used him to bless them. And they received the blessings from God through Joseph. It was a link. It was the way by which Joseph was also being released from the prison. The point is make your mark. Be concerned about those who you work with. One last quote I'll read here says in 73 paragraph 3. It says, Jesus carried into his labor cheerfulness and tact. It requires much patience and spirituality to bring Bible religion into the home life and into the workshop. Two places. To bear the strain of worldly business and yet keep the eye single to the glory of God. This is where Christ was a helper. He was never so full of worldly care as to have no time or thought for heavenly things. Often he expressed the gladness of his heart by singing psalms and heavenly songs. Often the dwellers in Nazareth heard his voice raised in praise and thanksgiving to God. He held communion with heaven in song and as his companions complained of weariness from labor they were cheered by the sweet melody from his lips his praise seemed to banish the evil angels and like incense fill the place with fragrance the minds of his hearers were carried away from their earthly exile to the heavenly home amen Jesus was making his mark at his workplace by songs and by encouraging words and by being efficient in what he did. This is the way we would make our mark as we mingle with people with which we come in contact with. I pray that the Lord will help us to do what we need to do wherever we find ourselves. Remember, the grace that was there for Christ is also there for you. And may this grace walk in us, the righteousness of Christ. Amen. Amen. We have heard it all. Thank God. Just to add, it says in the text, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. There are familiar phrases in the language of our law system, like bona vacatia, deed of gifts, and will. This letter from Paul to Timothy was like a dying wish, a will, as it were, of a father to the son in the gospel. My son, Timothy, you are not too young to make your mark in the world. I demand that you be an example to the believers in words, the way you talk, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. I command that you trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. Then two verses before that, he said, Timothy, remember how we have labored and suffered together. You have gained experience. Now, although 
you are young in age. Don't let anybody confuse you or talk you out of this label by saying that you are too young. Rather be an example to them. You see what this is a charge of a general to the lieutenant. Timothy took the charge seriously and then he will go on to become the pastor of the largest church in Asia, the church of Ephesus. A church that was on Jesus' mind and when he wrote the letters, the letters to the churches in Revelation, the first church was to Ephesus. The first letter was to the church of Ephesus. When you look through the Bible, you see that God used a lot of people, especially young people. Some of them, their names were not even given. Was it not a little girl that made a slave far from home? This little maid was nevertheless one of God's witnesses, unconsciously fulfilling the purpose for which God has chosen Israel as a people. Patriarchs in King 2.44 says, God had chosen Israel as his people. As she ministered in that heathen home, her sympathies were aroused in behalf of her master. And remembering the wonderful miracles of healing wrought through Elisha, she said to her mistress, O God, that my, my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he will recover him of his leprosy. She knew that the power of heaven was with Elisha, and she believed that by his this power Naaman could be healed. The conduct of the captive maid was instrumental. The way that she bore herself in that healing home as a strong witness to the power of early home training. Ministry of Healing 473 says, He who sent the little Israelitish maiden to the help of Naaman, the Syrian captain sends men and women and youth today as his representative to those in need of divine help and guidance. Oh, I love this quote. Testimonies for the Church, Volume 2, 683 says, Every deed of righteousness will be immortalized. Although the doer may not feel that he has done anything worthy of notice. You see, the lady, this young maid, she did not even know the, in, the impact of what she just did. All she did was to refer Naaman to Israel. And that as far as Naaman lived, there was no war between Syria and Israel. It was a little boy that gave to Jesus five belly loaves and two small fishes. Another little boy interposed to save God's servant's life, Paul's sister's son, who heard of the ambush of the assassins, entered into the castles and told Paul. Claudius Lysias received the youth kindly, and he asked him, What is it that you have to tell me? The youth replied, The Jews have agreed and to ask you to bring Paul down to the council tomorrow as though they were going to inquire somewhat more closely about him but do not yield to them for more than 40 of, of their men lie in ambush for him having bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink till they have killed him and now they are ready waiting for the promise from you you see this youth was prompt if he had not taken the message that day who knows what delay might have caused who know who knows what vacillating our high call in the third paragraph it says some of our youths are so vacillating that they accomplish nothing for themselves 
their life is often half spent before they decide what they shall do and what they will be. I find the story of delay and promptness in Judges chapter 19 verse 5. The story goes that a man who took a concubine, a Levite, and then she this she was not pleased with him and she returned to her father's house and then he took his servant and asses and went to bring her back and stayed there a few days and when he was ready to return the first day the father said and the bible says in verse 5 says, and it came to pass that on the fourth day when they arose early in the morning that he arose he rose up to depart and the damsel's father said unto his son-in-law comfort thine heart with a morsel of bread and afterward go your way and they sat down and did eat and drink both of them together for the damsel's father had said unto the man be content i pray thee and tarry all night and let thine heart be merry you can find time to read the story and the next day he did the same thing and the third day he did the same thing and finally the levite was fed up and then he finally made a bad decision he decided to go in the evening and so he set out on the journey and because it was almost night darkness fell on him and he couldn't arrive at his destination so he tarried that night at Gibeah and so the men of the city Benjamites given to all kinds of licentious practices sons of Belial and so they attacked him whilst lodged in a a man's an old man's house and so he gave them his concubine and all night she was repeatedly raped and she died and he did an unthinkable thing he divided the, the woman into 12 parts and sent her all over Israel and this act coupled with his procrastination caused a ferocious response from Israel and so they entered into battle with the Benjamites. 65,000 people will die, all because of indecision. So the counsel of God today to the youth, all of us, is that if you found your purpose, salute no man on thy journey. And so for the youth today, I will say, let us copy Christ. Adventist Home, chapter 5, 21. The exciting amusement of our time keep the minds of men and women but more especially the youth in a fever of excitement which is telling upon their stock of vitality in a far greater degree than all their studies and physical labors and have a tendency to dwarf the intellect and corrupt the morals. See, the danger is that he, Satan's, present the path of holiness as difficult while the path of worldly pleasure as strained with flowers in false and flattery colors he arrays the world with his pleasures before the youth, but the pleasures of earth will soon come to an end, and that which is sown must also be reaped. He is in every sense of the word a deceiver, a skillful charmer. He has many finely woven nets, which appear innocent, but which are skillfully prepared to entangle the youth, the young and the unweary. I read this quote just to reiterate the fact that the youths are arrows in the hands of a mighty man 
their arrows in the hands of God. So Satan, instead of copying Christ, Satan will want them to copy everybody around them. Those who love amusements, they will like to be playing football and copy footballers. They want to become footballers like Ronaldo and the rest. And those who want to become scammers, they'll be looking for laptops now to become like the ones whom they admire, thinking that's how they will make their mark in the world. But we see that those who did were immortalized did not even have names that we can remember them for, but their acts are recorded in the histories we read in the Bible. There is a battle going on for the youth who will have the youth, Satan or God. I'll read now from A Call to Stand Apart, page 66. It says, With such an army of workers as our youth, rightly trained, might furnish how soon the message of a crucified reason and soon coming Savior might be carried to the world, to the whole world. How soon might the end come, the end of suffering and sorrow and sin, how soon, in place of a possession here, with its blight of sin and pain, our children might receive their inheritance, where the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever, where the inhabitants shall not say, I am sick, and the voice of weeping shall be no more heard. Adventist Home, chapter 2, page 297 says, Children and youth should begin early to seek God, for early habits and impressions will frequently exert a powerful influence upon the life and character. Therefore, the youth who will be like Samuel, John, and especially like Christ, must be faithful in the things which are least, turning away from the companions who plan evil and who think that their life in the world is to be one of pleasure and self-indulgence. Jesus died, dear youth, not to save you in your sins, but to save you from your sins. Now, suppose maybe you're well advanced in years. This devotion is also talking to you because you cannot be younger than you are now. This is the youngest version of you today. God will accept the wholehearted service and will himself make up the deficiencies. Ministry of Healing 150 Was it not when John was aged with hairy head when he had done all kinds of work for Jesus when his thought might be tending towards demise. That is when he got the message, come up higher. Christ gave to him the greatest of his life's work. That's when he saw Christ in his beauty, glory, and majesty. The full display of heaven was open to him, and he could record what he saw and gave it to us as in the form of the book of Revelation. Do not wait for an opening. Make one for yourselves. Take hold in any small way that opens before you. Be thorough and faithful in whatever you take in hand, however small it may be. We are not too old to start and not too young to quit. May God be our helper. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord our Father, we say glory and honor be unto thy name. We see heavy words here to live by. We see help and we see grace even in a chapter. Lord, we pray that as we have read these words, may you empower us, give us the strength, give us the will and the zeal to follow you even in all our services. May we be faithful even in little things. 
This is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.